Yes, Lord, you are good. We're here to worship you because you gave us life. And then you gave us eternal life, those of us that received the precious gift of your son Jesus into our heart. You are good, Lord, because we were lost and you found us. We were dead in sin and you redeemed us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're here to worship you today, Lord. We're here to worship you today. We're here to take what we learn from the Holy Spirit and go out and minister to this world that thy kingdom come to this earth. Kingdom come to this earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Help us to do so. Use us all in a mighty way. Not just this church, but every church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, let the power of the Holy Spirit move throughout the earth. And may that last person find Jesus. Lord, we can't wait till you return. Just That's the joy of our life. So, Lord, bless your holy name, for you are holy, holy, holy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless your church. You may be seated. You may be seated. For those of you online, I just wanted to tell you this is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're there. Stay tuned. Get your Bibles out. Get into Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start around the 20, 20 to 20, 22nd to 28th verse. I might start a couple verses earlier. Matthew chapter 16, verses 21, I think I'm going to start, just to get a clarify from last week. Because we're doing expositional studies through the book of Matthew, and we've been in it for a while. And sometimes I'll jump off and I'll bring some things from the Old Testament or other things in the New Testament that maybe Paul wrote or John wrote. Um, but we're studying there. So for those online, Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches, or we were in Palm Beach, Florida. If you're local in Florida, we're at, uh, on High Paluxo Road. So just go to I-95, head to High Paluxo, whether it's north or south from where you're at, and then go west about a quarter mile. We're on the north side of the road, which will be your right. And if you go to Congress, you went too far. But anyway, come on by maybe 10 a.m. next week. Oh, and, and for men, you know, we have a Bible study at 9 a.m. every Saturday. And uh, you'll like a lot of men from other churches come here. So that's, that's, a good, that's good news. Um, also, um, I wanted to tell you online, since you're on our website, freedomchurchpb.org, you can, you can uh, find out our list of ministries. You can find out our beliefs. We're going to tell you uh, one thing. It's all about Jesus here. And a couple walked into this church years ago, and they moved up north. But they said to me, if you wanted to describe your church in one sentence, what would you say? And I said, all I said was, it's all about Jesus. It ain't about me. It ain't about you. It's about Jesus Christ, him coming, delivering us from our sins, and rising from the dead the third day according to the Scripture. It's all about him. It's not about us getting famous or getting rich. You know, it's about Jesus Christ, him crucified, dead, buried, and risen the third day according to the Scripture. So that's what we teach here. You can watch our past services from six, seven years back. We've been here over eight years. And you can even even donate online if you see fit. As I was telling uh, our congregation just earlier, you know, we've never taken an offering in this church. We've never really charged you for anything. Even the books are free. But a lot of people, you know, give a donation if they want. Um, 
You know, we never charge for anything. So it isn't about money here. It's about Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that. And you should pick that up from my teaching as I move along through the scriptures. Like I said, we're doing expositional studies. And we're, we're digging into the Word of God. And I know the Word of God is so deep because, you know, and I tell everybody, the Word of God is so deep, you can never touch bottom. I don't care if you're the greatest scholar on the face of the earth. But if you're a baby, you're not going to drown. You know, God is there for you, whichever level of water you want to swim in. You know, some fish like dolphins and whales, they, say they, they, they skim the top of the water. You know, some fish are in mid-level water, and some fish are on the bottom. You know, so, so it's the same thing with Christianity. You know, some, some Christians are up here to win the intellectual. Some people are, you know, some people are sleeping under a bridge that know Jesus and preaching to their buddies, you know. Jesus is everywhere. We got young people, old people, you know, middle-aged people. Um, God uses us at our strength in the, in the season of life in which we are. We teach it out of the Bible, so I want you to uh, go to the Bible. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16, and I am going to read. Um, Verse uh, 20, 20, 22. Now, let me start in 21. Okay, Jesus had just fed the 4,000, mostly a Gentile uh, people. And verse 21, from that, then he asked Peter, he said, Who do the people say I am? We studied that last week. Who do the people say I am? And and the disciples answer, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say a great prophet, you know. But, and then Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, Jesus said to Peter, you know, the world didn't tell you that. You didn't know that. The Father revealed it to you. And some of us today, you know, we've been... The revelation of Jesus Christ was revealed to us. He's not just some great prophet. He's the son of the living God who shed his blood to, to redeem us from our sins. And our sins can't be washed away with water. They can be washed away only with the blood of, of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, says the scriptures, there is no remission for sin. And we're not talking about lambs and goats. That's Hebrews chapter 10. We're not talking about lambs and goats. We're talking about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So Peter understood that. And I want you here and you over the Internet to understand that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's a fact. That's a fact. So I'm going to read um, verse 20, okay? Then he commanded his disciples, after he did all that, he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ or the Messiah. Christ is Greek for Messiah. Messiah is Hebrew, but it means Christ in Greek. Then he, that he was the Christ, the Son of God. From that time on, he began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. 
But he turned and said to him, this is Jesus, turned and said to him, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are, are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone denies, uh, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to, to be saved, to save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then will reward each according to his works. According, assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Some, some of that sounds like a pretty uh, intellectual passage, but I'm hoping to clarify it in many ways for you. Um, you know, Jesus is, is, has a new lesson for his disciples. He's less than one year from the cross here at this time. He's beginning to tell the disciples that he must go, he must die, he must be risen again to redeem mankind from, from their sins. Here's Matthew 16, 21. I'll read it. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Remember, these scribes and Pharisees, they were following Jesus all around. They wanted to get him. They wanted to kill him at this point. This is the third year. He's into the third year of his ministry. They wanted to kill him because people were following him. He just fed the 5,000, then he fed the 4,000, and that's just the men. It's not the women and the children. So when he fed the 5,000, it was probably like 12,000. When he fed the 4,000, it was probably like 10,000 people he fed. They saw that. They, they were following him around, and they wanted to just, they, they weren't there with an open heart. And that's where people need to be when they read their Bible. They've got to have an open heart, not an open mind, but an open heart to understand what God is going to say. He said he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer. He must be killed, and he, must, and he will be raised the third day. It's a must. Jesus came to give his life for me and for you. That was the whole reason that he came. And when Peter said, you know, far be it that you should, and rebuked him, far be it for, you know, you, you can't go and die. Jesus said to him, you have your mind on the things of the world, the things of the flesh. God's mind is on saving mankind. He wishes that none would perish, that all would come to repentance, says Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. God wants all people to be saved. They they did not want anything to do with Jesus. They want rid of him. And then they said to God, last week I spoke it out, they said to the Lord, show us a sign. And we went through that many times. He said, show us a sign. They've been following him around, remember, trying to get him. Okay? And he, they want to see a sign. Meanwhile, in chapter 8 chapter 9 of the book of Matthew, we saw Jesus heal the leper proving himself to be Jehovah Rapha of the Old Testament 
God is our healer. We saw him heal the centurion servant. We saw him as El Roy. El is the name of God, by the way. El Roy, which is God is there. He went into Peter's, Peter's house and his mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law was sick and Jesus showed up and he was there and he healed her. He cast out demons. He cast out demons. We see him as Jehovah Rahai. He is the shepherd caring for his sheep. He's protecting his sheep from demonic forces of wickedness that would, would lead them to down the wrong path. We saw him as Jehovah Shalom. As he was in the boat and calmed the wind and the waves, he, he turned a, a raging sea into peace with a word. And they don't know who this guy is. They have uh, one idea in mind. Get him kill him so that the people come back to the synagogue so that we can keep on getting richer because the scribes and Pharisees, they were mostly richer people. We saw him forgive the sins of a, a paralegic that was lowered through the roof. And the Pharisees got all really upset. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's just it. He is God. God the Father this is God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. God the Father initiated this whole plan to save mankind, to send His Son, because He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but you would have eternal life. The God the Father administrated that plan. Jesus is the revelation of that plan. He's the glory of the Father. Philip, the disciple, said to him, Show us the Father, Jesus, and Philip. And Jesus said to Philip in John chapter 14, He says, Philip, 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 have I been so long with you, you don't recognize me? He's the revelation of the Father. You know, he's the radiance of God's glory, says First Peter chapter 1. He's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. And then the Holy Spirit, now he's the operation in this world today. When you come to Christ, you receive him as your Savior, as the gift of God. You know, you don't have to do nothing. It's a gift. Americans don't know what gift is. They think gift requires you giving something. You don't give nothing. He gave it to you just because you believe with all your heart, not your head, or you'll miss heaven by 18 inches. You've got to believe in your heart. And he, the Holy Spirit is the operation. He lives within you. For everyone that accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior and realized that he came, he died, he was buried, and he is risen according to the Scripture the third day, you have the Holy Spirit's presence in, within your temple. Paul told the Corinthian church, don't you know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that? The Holy Spirit lives in you. Why do you think when you sin, you get convicted? Not condemned, by the way. Convicted. And you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to take the Lord's name in vain anymore because the Holy Spirit's there. Like, you shouldn't be doing that. So God the Father, the Administrator, Jesus Christ, the Revelation of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the operation of the Father in this world today. So my message today 
is because Peter, what Peter said, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, For for be it far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Peter, listen, Peter is rebuking God here. Wow. He's rebuking God. I'd have a hard time rebuking God because he's holy. See, Peter and the and the disciples really didn't get who he was at this point. They didn't realize he had to die. That was what he came for. And Peter's saying, no, you can't die. But he had to, to redeem men from their sins. And he came because he loved you so much and me so much. So Jesus came and redeemed us from our sins. Peter just announced to Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, his heart's, Peter's heart was sincere in this. But he was uninformed of the Messiah's mission. And there's a lot of people today, even in churches, that are uninformed of the Messiah's mission, of Jesus' mission, which was to redeem say, and save mankind. He didn't understand the spiritual focus of the kingdom. And the church today needs to understand the spiritual focus. The only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, him alone. You know why I say that? Because he said it. In John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So if he's the truth, he's not lying. If he's the way, that's how you get to heaven. And he's the life. He gives you eternal life because you believe in him. It's as simple as that. And the church does not get it. But that doesn't mean that you have been set free to the point where you can keep on sinning. No, that's abusing the grace of God. You don't abuse God's grace. You should change. Billy Graham used to say at his crusades, come just as you are. And they did. But when they left, they should have went, you know, became a different person. They didn't leave as they were. They They were redeemed. They were saved. The Holy Spirit came into their life by, re- by receiving Christ as their Savior. And now they're redeemed, and they should be going away redeemed and, and doing things that they never did before, like throwing out, don't, don't take the Lord's name in vain anymore. If you're an adulterator and you're cheating on your spouse and you need to turn away from that thing, you know, we all have sins that we're going to work on all our life. But you will be changed. You come as you are, but you won't leave as you were. You're going to be a different person. And that's what Jesus called born again in John chapter 3. And a lot of people don't like to hear that word, born again, but Jesus said it. Either he's a liar, but he said he's the truth. I remember when I was becoming a Christian, reading my Bible, somebody gave me a track, a little track about this big, and it said, Creator or liar? And I read this little track, and it had prophecies from the Old Script, from the Old Testament, and Jesus' uh, fulfillment of those prophecies. And um, when I en- ended up at the end of that book, I decided that he isn't a liar, he's the Creator. We saw him, you know, these, deci- these Sadducees and Pharisees, they saw Jesus 
feed 4,000 and 5,000. And the word that's there, and I brought it up to you, is he took the fish and the bread and he broke it. And the, and the Greek verb is he continually broke it. So while he's breaking the bread and the fish and putting it in the baskets of the disciples so that they could distribute it, he was actually creating right in his hands. So now we see El Shaddai, God Almighty, right there before them. The blind Pharisees and scribes are blind because they're looking at him with the head knowledge and not the heart. And we need to have the heart. They didn't understand the Father's will for the Son. And the same thing today, mankind doesn't understand it. God loved you so much that he gave his only Son. When that blood of Christ hit the ground, the very earthquake, the, the clouds overtook the land, probably lightning and thunder, east to west, north to south. The earth quaked as all creation mourned the Son of the living God who just died on the cross. And even the Roman soldier that performed hundreds of, of crucifixions, the centurion, he most likely bowed and he said, surely this was the Son of God. And even Pilate wrote on a sign above his head in three different languages, Greek, Aramaic, and, and, uh, and Greek, Aramaic, and, and um, yeah, the, the Hebrew language, okay? Listen, and he said, Son of God, the Son of God. And the Jews came to Pilate and said, put a sign up above the sign that says he said he was the Son of God. Pilate said, I'm going to leave it the way it is because he's the Son of God. So it was, it was known who exactly that he was. And the scribes and the Pharisees wouldn't accept it. But he turned, that's Jesus, and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you do not, are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Darren, you can pass out those papers. I'm going to have our deacon, one of our deacons, Theron, pass out some paper. I got like eight points here. I want to show you stuff. This may be a deeper Bible study than some of you are used to, but it's true because all this comes from the Word of God, and I got Scripture to back it up. Now, Scripture is true. This is the Word of God. Every dot, every every jittle is going, fiddle is going to be, uh, is the truth. Peter is actually rebuking Jesus, and Jesus comes back with a rebuke to him. He's saying, you, don't, you, you, you are mindful of the things of this world, not the things of God. Jesus is teaching his disciple that he needs to, they need to win people over to Christ. They need to win people after he's gone. They are responsible to distribute the word of God to people, just like the disciples you know, Jesus created the bread and the fish right in his hands and gave it to the disciples to distribute. God gave us the word of God here, the food of God, and he intends the church 
those who believe, to distribute this message of good news to all the world. What is the good news? God so loved the world. You know, there's another verse in the Bible that says the wages of sin and de is death. That's not good news. But the second part of that verse says, but he, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news. So, the question a lot of people ask, you know, is, is um, Peter, Jesus, first of all, Jesus had to rebuke Peter. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That does not mean that Peter was possessed. That means he was persuaded by the devil to say such a thing. And Jesus recognizes it right away, and he has to come back and straighten Peter out. So who said that, say, uh, that believers can't be used by the devil? They most certainly can. We see it in Scripture all the time. And it's true. A lot of people don't like to talk about the devil, but I know, listen, I'm a Vietnam veteran. If I didn't know that Charlie was out there, the, the NBA or the Viet Cong were out there, boy, they would have a great day picking me off with their sniper rifles as I walked down the road because I didn't know the enemy was there. And the same with believers today. We have to understand there is an enemy, and he wants to keep you away from Jesus Christ. It might even come through someone you know. Oh, you're going to become a Christian. You're going to receive Jesus Christ. You're a Jesus freak. I don't want no more of you. Come on. This is the Son of God. You can call me any name you want. The Holy Ruler, Jesus freak, you know, uh, whatever. I got. You call me Holy Ruler, I'm ruled by Christ. Who are you ruled by? Right? Listen. Peter himself was used by the devil to, to say this to Jesus. Jesus recognizes it, and he rebukes him. And this happens a lot in the scriptures and even today. So point number one, this message is called persuasion, not possession. Persuasion, not possession. Number one on your paper Christians can be tormented by a messenger from Satan. We know that from the Apostle Paul. You all know that. If you've been in church any time of your life, you've heard of this. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. A thorn of, in the flesh was given to me, this Paul, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, or to buffet me, or to torment me. Paul was harassed by the devil. Christians can be tormented, harassed by the devil. And we have to recognize it as you have the authority to rebuke him, just like Jesus had the authority to rebuke Peter. You have the authority to pre uh, rebuke him. Number two, Christians can be bewitched. What? Paul started the Galatian church, didn't he? 
they were moving pretty strong. By the time we get to the third chapter, Peter is writing, you know, Paul is writing to the Galatian church. And look what he says. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before those eyes, for through whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are now being made perfected by the flesh? Paul is saying to him, when I first preached to you, you became holy and spiritual. I come back to visit you. I have to write you a letter and tell you who bewitched you. You turned from these things. Why did you turn from these things? Oh, how foolish you are, Galatians. You began in the Holy Spirit, and now you're redeemed by the flesh. Listen, you will never be redeemed, or you will never go to heaven because you're flesh. You're going to go to heaven because you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And that's it. That's the truth. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. So if you have a problem with it, you're going to have to take it up with God. I am responsible to preach the whole gospel of God, the truth. Otherwise, I'm going to be rebuked in the future. And Paul writes this when uh, 1 Corinthians 9.27. He said, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to all the people, I myself will not be disqualified. Boy, that's a struggle for me. That verse hit me loud and clear a few months back. I got to be careful as a pastor. I got to be careful. I got to crucify my flesh so that I can serve God with all of my heart. Paul was rebuking. Who has bewitched you? So, see, Satan can influence Christians, and we need to know who our enemy is. When we went to Vietnam, the soldiers were trained in jungle warfare. When we went to the Gulf, we, the soldiers were trained in desert warfare. When we went to Afghanistan, we were, we were the men were trained in, in, in sand, desert warfare again and learn how to go in the caves. They had to be trained. They had to know their enemy so that they know where the enemy might likely hide out to pick them off as a sniper. Listen, so, listen, there is a devil. And he isn't a cute little red man with a pitch, red pitchfork and a pointy red tail. He, the Bible says that he comes like an angel of light. He can deceive you terribly. He deceived Peter, and he was tormenting Paul. Number three, Christians can be seduced by evil spirits and depart from the faith. Christians can, can come to church for years, and then all of a sudden, they, they depart from the faith. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's happened in this church. I won't tell you who. That's happened in this church. They walk with the Lord for years, and then all of a sudden... They're gone. They don't believe anymore. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. I got a news for you. Either Jesus was liar, 
a liar, and you're calling God a liar, or he was the greatest deceiver that ever lived. And I'll tell you what, when the Holy Spirit fell on me when I believed, listen, I know Jesus Christ is the Lord. There's no doubt about it. I've been at funeral homes where a believer was laid out in one room and an unbeliever in another, and I knew them both. It was like cutting a knife to walk into the other room where the unbeliever was because there was peace with the believer because she was with God. And the other man who was the next-door neighbor to my business, he wasn't a believer. And it was like cutting a knife. It was like walking from glory to disaster. Jesus Christ is the Lord, folks, whether you like it or not. Christians can be seduced by evil spirits. First Timothy, Paul's talking here. Now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. These people that walk away from the gospel. I mean, there's many of you here today. I, you've been walking with the Lord for 50, 60, 70 years. God bless you. God bless you. Your God has a great reward for you in heaven. There where your treasure is, where your heart is, there where your treasure be also. Now, where your heart is, there where your treasure be. So, listen. You've got to be careful. The devil comes like an angel of light. He looks good. Oh, come on. Come on. Cheating on your spouse one time isn't going to hurt. Yeah? You just violated the commandments. Number four, Christians can be taken captive by the enemy. You know, in Vietnam, we see those black flags out there that says POW, Prisoner of, Prisoners of War. The devil can take some of us captive and deceive you for, you might come to the Lord, you know, uh, 20 years ago and walk with the Lord for 10 years, 10 years, and then all of a sudden he deceived you and got you held captive in his, in his ways. Second Timothy, Paul's talking to him here. And here it is. But the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but gentle to all, apt to teach, patient when wrong, with meekness instructing those who, if perhaps God should grant them repentance and they should come to the acknowledgement of the truth and that they would wake out of their, the snare of the devil because they've been held captive by the devil to do the, his will, the devil's will. Some Christians are doing the devil's will. Peter was doing the devil's will here. He didn't know it. But when Jesus rebuked him, I'll bet you he figured it out. Because we know Peter was a great man of faith. Number five, Christians can be taken advantage of by the devil for unforgiveness. Second Corinthians, Paul again, chapter 2, verse 10. To whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgive it, for your sakes, forgive I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage over us. 
See, Satan can get an advantage over you because of different things like unforgiveness. You know how many people who don't forgive are held, you know that they're held in bondage themselves if they can't forgive somebody? The devil takes advantage of these things. He takes advantage of these things, and we've got to watch ourselves. The devil can get an advantage right here. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12, uh, 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage over you. So when you're at war, you have to know to be careful because the enemy can get an advantage over you. Number six, Christians can give place to the devil. Uh-oh. This is like walking in it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. You know what? Jesus was angry when he walked into the temple and saw all those money changer tables in there where they were ripping people off. People would have to bring a, a clean sheep to sacrifice for the, for the washing away of their sins. Notice I said washing, not cleansing. They had to do it every so often. Well, the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes that set up the money changer tables in the temple, they would bring a lamb. And the priest would, would inspect it. And they'd find a little black or gray hair in that lamb. And they say, this is an unclean one. So you have to buy our lamb at an exorbitant price. And they, they would go off, pay for the lamb so they could get sacrificed and their sins could be forgiven. And then they would pluck the gray hair out of that sheep and sell that one to somebody else. Or if you were a Gentile, he put an unfair weight in the scale. So that the Jewish people would get more than the Gentiles. They were ripping people off. And Jesus said, who, you made my father's house a den of thieves. This was the outer court. The outer court of the temple in Jerusalem was to bring people in and make proselytes out of them. That they would believe in the Jewish God, El Shaddai, Elohim. So many names for God in the Bible. The same God, by the way. They gave, you know, they, they gave place to the devil. He was angry, but he didn't sin. It's okay to be angry. Just don't sin and forgive. That's what we're going to learn from these, this here. I don't think this is all about devils. This is how we are supposed to act. Because the devil can get an advantage over you. And he can take the power and the authority you have as a saint of the Most High God and strip you naked so that you're ineffective. And that's what's happening today in a lot of churches and in a lot of homes even. The devil, did you know, number seven, the devil goes to church? I went to church for the last 45 years before I was a pastor, 45 plus years ago, I'll bet you I sat by the devil sometimes. The devil goes to church, kids. The devil goes to church. Mark 1, 23. 
there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And Jesus cast it out on the Sabbath day, and the Jews were ticked off. I said, my dog is hungry. I'm going to feed him on, on the Sabbath day. If my dog gets off of his leash and runs towards the street, I'm going to run towards the street and get him. There's priorities here. Mankind is more important than anything. Animals are important. You don't let Jesus even said, if your donkey fell into the ditch, would you leave him there till after the Sabbath? No, you're going to go get him. Because that's just common sense. It's compassion. Jesus had compassion on everybody he healed. There was in the synagogue, what was he in the synagogue for? Most likely because he was, he was a believer. He believed in Almighty God, but yet he, the devil had a, had a, not a possession, but a stronghold in this man's life. And the devil has strongholds in many people's lives today, and they don't want to accept it. You know what? They, they have their, the stronghold of, of pornography, the stronghold of alcohol, the stronghold of crack, stronghold of getting drunk, and a whole bunch of other, the stronghold of telling lies. Some people tell lies just to tell lies. They don't even know why they tell them. The devil goes to church. You can find the devil even in the church. He's, you, look at Peter was part of the early church. The first time the church was mentioned was this chapter 16. And Jesus said, oh, upon this rock I will build my church. Not Peter's church, my church. And I showed you last week that Petra and Petros, Peter was the, the fragment of a rock, and Jesus, who was Petros, was the mountain rock. The Mount Rock Mountain. God built his, his, his church on Jesus Christ, not Peter. Peter was one of the next founding stones that moved along to help build the church. And we are part of the church. Listen. Paul wrote this, Ephesians chapter 6. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness. Listen to the next preposition. In heavenly places. The church is a heavenly place. A synagogue is a heavenly place. Your temple, the flesh, is a holy place. And the devil can have a stronghold in you. Not a possession, a stronghold. Stronghold means you struggle with a certain sin. And you're trying to get rid of I have them in my life. I have three of them I'm trying to get rid of. And I'm really working on hard. Because I'm a pastor don't mean I'm, I'm a sinner too. You look through the pastor to the master. That's all you do. So when a pastor falls in the world, don't look at him. He's just a man. Look at him. Number eight. Christians can be handed over to Satan for the preservation of their soul. Whoa. Wow, but we don't like to hear that. 1 Corinthians 5, 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. The fornication was so bad, even the Gentiles didn't do this. That one should have his father's wife. There was a guy in the church. 
He stole his father's wife. Obviously, it was his second wife. He stole his wife. And they, they, they accept him in the church. And we do that today, church. We do that today. I don't really want to get into it because it's, it's sad. The people in the church, and I've told them, you're living with one another, you have kids with one another, and they asked me what they should do. I said, you had two choices, get married or move out. They didn't like it. They aren't part of this church. Came back here twice. I know them from another church I preached in. They came back twice, and I've never seen them since. I'm going back seven years on that one. You have two choices, get married or leave the church or move out. You know what they said to me? Both of them said, I wouldn't marry him. I wouldn't marry her. doesn't even make common sense. You know what? They're, they have a stronghold of fornication. First Corinthians 5.5. 5. I know this is a tough message. It's the word of God. First Corinthians 5, 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit might be saved. See, why did Paul say this? Because he wants that guy rebuked so that he would repent and be saved. That's the whole goal of this. To get them to repent. That's why I said that to those people. Move out or get married. They're in a dangerous place. They claim to be Christians, yet they sure don't act like it. Verse 6, your glorifying is not good. Know ye that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. In other words, sin in the Old Testament is related to leaven, which is yeast. So if you let yeast into the church then it's going to spoil the whole body. It's going to pass to the whole body. We've got to be careful what we have in church. We can't allow these things to happen. They have to be rebuked. They have to be told so. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, you put it in your, your bread dough, you put a little yeast in there, you let it sit a while, and it blows up. Same thing. You know, We've got to get rid of it or else it'll destroy the whole church eventually. We've seen that happen. I've had five pastors in Florida, and three of them, which I, all, I knew all three of them pretty good, fell out of those five pastors since I've been in Florida because they let a little sin in, and it just destroys the whole bunch. And that's one of my ideas. I'm praying against that with me. I don't want any sin. I know I'm a sinner. But I got to get rid of certain sins because I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be disqualified when I get to the kingdom of heaven. And that's why that verse, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I believe it is. I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to the people, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul wants this guy to come back to the Lord. 
Purge out therefore the old leaven, in other words, get rid of the yeast, that the man be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. You know what Passover? The Jewish people use flat bread, no yeast. It's a representative of no more sin, if you believe in the Messiah. As Jesus took the Old Testament and turned it into the New Covenant, the New Testament. And as we eat and drink, eat the bread that's striped and that is unleavened, and uh, drink the wine representative of his blood, we remember the Lord until he comes. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 28, and 38 through 39. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, God has a plan of salvation. Number one is deny yourself. Number two is to go to the cross. And number three is to follow Jesus. The cross is a symbol of death. cross is a symbol of death. Yet many of you wear it around your neck. I say it before, wear a guillotine. Because the cross is an instrument of torture and death. You know why you wear a cross around your neck? Because you see the love that explodes from it. You look at the cross and you think of a risen Savior who died for you and redeemed you by his blood. That's why. If any of you want to follow after Jesus, you need to take up your cross, die to yourself, that's called being born again, and, and follow Jesus. Now, if you follow Jesus, you might be called a name. But that's okay. There's books of the martyr in the back room over here in the kitchen. It says, Voices of the Martyr, and you can see that they're being killed, chased out of their homes for the sake of the gospel. And you're worried about being called a Jesus freak. Isn't that a little stupid? Well, somebody told me a Jesus freak. You know what I said to him? I said, I'm a freak for God. Then whose freak are you? Come on. This is Almighty God that died on the cross for you for me. Don't take it lightly. That blood was holy. That's why the ground quaked. The whole creation was mourning. I wouldn't doubt if Mars and Jupiter jumped and the sun lost its power for a moment. This is Almighty God. So what do you do to follow Jesus? You, you have to realize I'm a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, or Romans 10 3.10 says, all have sinned. All means all. Moses was a sinner. David was a sinner. Abraham was a sinner. You don't believe me? Abraham lied to God on two occasions. David killed people and got Bathsheba pregnant. Moses killed a guy coming out of Egypt because he was mocking the Israelites. We're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. You aren't any better than those, that's for sure, because they were the great patriarchs of the Bible. You're all sin and fall short of glory. You go on, 
Romans 3.23, there is none righteous, no, not one. How are you made righteous? By Jesus Christ. He forgives your sins. He forgave the sins of that, that quadriplegic that was lowered through the roof. He forgave their sins because Jesus is able to forgive sins on earth because he is God. And therefore, if you offend God, only God can forgive you. Um, Dan can't forgive you because you offended God. God has to forgive you. You have to know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Gift is free. Americans don't know what free is. Free means free. You don't have to do anything. Let me tell you about the blood bank again. You give your blood, they'll give you free movie tickets for 10 bucks. It wasn't free. You had to give your blood. Free is free. That means if I gave you this Bible, you don't have to do anything for it. I gave it to you. That's what God did for us. All you got to do is receive it. <laughs> I gave you this Bible. You have to receive it. You have to take it out of my hands. That's the gift of God. It's free. Take it. And God demonstrated that love. He just didn't say it. He demonstrated that love. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. And then, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to heaven, folks. Not because I'm a great guy. Not because I'm a preacher. Because I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Simple. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you have to call on the name of the Lord. You said to say, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. I love this verse. I learned it years ago, memorized it. Paul talking to the Thessalonian church. He said, God has not appointed any of you to wrath over the Internet or here. God hasn't appointed anyone to wrath, but for obtaining salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what obtaining means? It's a gift. Take it. By rejecting the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed for the, pen for the penalty of your sins, and you have trampled underfoot the blood of Almighty God, and, be, and treated it as being unholy. That soldier, the centurion, charge of a hundred men, when that blood hit the ground and the earth quaked, he saw hundreds and was even in charge of having probably hundreds of men crucified. When he saw the sky darken and lightning flashes and the earth quaking and Jesus saying, forgive them for they know not what they do, he he said, surely this is the Son of God. And that's what you need to say. Surely Jesus is the Son of God. Wow, he's the Son of God. God, are we blessed or what? And I'll just leave you with this. It's a tough verse. Hebrews 10.29, it's the Word of God. I didn't write it, God did. Oh, how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be be that be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God 
and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified as unholy, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. You, if you don't receive Christ, he came for a reason to save you. He spilled his blood, and that blood was holy. You don't trample it under your feet, you receive it. Some people treat it as unholy, like, and you insult the Holy Spirit when you do that. Let's not do that. If any of you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether you're here or there, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. And I just taught you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to call on him. Ask him to come into your heart. Forgive you your sins and have the Holy Spirit help you as you walk this new life that God is going to give you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away and all things become new. There's no greater message on the face of the earth or the face of the universe than God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves you whether you're a sinner or not. He loves you no matter what sin you did. You need to come to him as you are, and you will leave a different person if you believe with your heart. That's it. So if any of you receive Christ as your Savior on the Internet, please send me an email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, joe at freedomchurchpb.org and let me know so that we can rejoice with the angels in heaven that one sinner has repented and is going to be coming into the kingdom at the end of his pilgrimage here on earth. In Jesus' name I pray. And anybody here, come on up front. I'll be glad to pray with you or talk with you in any way. I love you all with all my heart. In Jesus' name. Father God, thank you for this time together. Lord, we give you the glory. Father, Whatever we heard today, let the Holy Spirit take it and point us to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all. Come on back next Sunday, 10 a.m.